Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben Brandell, and today we're going to be talking about why kids should be taught not just about fire, but how to make fire. Why kids should be being taught that, why we include it in our programming, and why it is one of our favorite things to teach. Before we jump in, let's talk about what we're thankful for. I am thankful for my wife. My wife, you know, uh, had a sick kiddo. She's had to work, and so dad's been the one taking care of the kiddo and, and grandparents, and um, there's just something about when just seeing on your kid's face when, when mom gets home from work, has been sick all day, and like it's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting ready to get my fix. You know, there's just something that uh, that all the moms out there with, with Adam, I don't think half of us could make it through. So just thank you to my wife. Thank you for moms. Thank you for the women um, yeah. in our lives, for sure. I know my wife has changed a lot more dirty diapers than I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't it great? It is, yes. I'm just thankful. so thankful. Yeah. Thankful for that, can't, for sure. Can't thank him enough. Um, I'm thankful for conviction. I'm thankful that um, whether you believe in Christ or not, that right and wrong is written on our heart, and that uh, when we're doing wrong, that we feel this conviction. Now, if we, it's up to us whether we face that conviction, run from it, or or whether we just keep going towards it. But um, I'm thankful for conviction that when we are doing wrong, um, there's what's written on our heart. The law lets us know. Yeah. That's really good. It's scary if, if that ever went away. It would be. Yeah, be I'm thankful it's just not uh, total anarchy. And even without government or law or anything, there would still be this generally people know right and wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm, th- I'm thankful for that. Yeah, you and I don't have to sit down and, and talk about, hey, before we hang out today, we need to uh, make sure we're not trying to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's just already there. Hey, don't spit on me today, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> we just already know. So, Well, let's get started with our topic. Why kids should be taught how to make fire. Some of you listening may be thinking, why a kid doesn't need to know how to make fire. Uh, But we teach it a lot. It is one of our more popular classes. We call it survival fire. Um, It is a survival tool. Uh, But something we like to highlight is how much it's used. And a lot of times what we find out, even when we ask adults, because of our um, modern 21st century society that we live in, we... We forget how much it's being used because even if you don't physically go light and see a flame, fire affects your life every day. Yeah, I don't know if it's been forgotten. It's just it's not even talked about. You know, you don't, as a child, you don't even think about what you need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So thinking about how often fire is used, it, is, it just isn't something we even teach or, or talk about hardly ever. Yeah. And in a an example and a question that we ask in our programs, and it seems silly, but go ahead and answer this as you're listening. Was your breakfast cooked today? The breakfast that you ate today, was it cooked? Right. And that's when we start off, we'll, we'll say, you know, who had scrambled eggs, you know, we'll get into pancakes. A lot, yeah. a lot of people have pancakes that's for e- breakfast. That's an easy that's, one, pancakes, scrambled eggs. Yeah. I think we get that one a lot. Um, and then towards the end, I'll say, well, who had cereal? Yeah. Who had cereal? Who had Pop-Tarts? And then here comes everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't have their... They ate that, but it wasn't cooked. Right. So now we've got, as we introduce what cereal is, Pop-Tarts, you have kiddos that, that think that that's just, 
I guess, how it is and how it always was, <laughs> you know, that there was never processed or cooked. Yeah. And that's where we start teaching why fire is so important because yeah. almost everything we, we eat and ingest has been through some sort of fire process. Or I love the question of, well, who has a warm home? And everybody raises their hand. Well, who has a fireplace? And, you know, a quarter of the class raises their hand. So does everybody have fire in their home? No. no. They all say no. We're like, well, yes, if you have a warm home, if it's being heated by a furnace of any kind, it, it, there's a fire. Mm-hmm. There's a fire. And you can kind of see them thinking and wondering. But even adults can can forget that. You know, if you have, if you have a furnace, whether it be electric or gas, there is... A flame, a heat source that is in there providing heat that is going to be blown throughout your house. So mm-hmm. fire is heating your house. Fire is preparing your food. Uh, it's essential in so many different things that we use daily. We for, we forget about it all the time. I mean, whether you have a computer that has metal components in it that you do all your work on, these microphones that have metal casings that we're talking on, fire is used to forge all that. So it is, it is so easy to forget how directly fire affects our lives, even though we're not seeing a flame every single day. Yeah, I mean, we can list, there are just, even the wood, <laughs> like, uh, you look at charcoal, well, even we ask about charcoal, yeah. you know, like, what is charcoal, you know, and um, we, man, I mean, charcoal, we wouldn't have charcoal without fire, mm-hmm. and then it's used to make fire, right, yeah. for, to cook our food with, so. Or let's say you just had a bowl of fruit for breakfast. Mm-hmm. How about that fork you're forking that f- fruit into your mouth with? It's correct. How did it get its form and shape? Correct. Fire. 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 Yes. So it really is, it's an amazing tool. And because of the way we have modernized and made it super efficient today, and because people are doing all this processing and manufacturing for us, we mm-hmm. pay for that. Mm-hmm. We lose sight of um, how awesome fire really is. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So and I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love no, it. I do too. Even, even our water, you know, What's the first thing you get on Facebook or the news if if your town has issues with its water? Yeah, that's a question we ask, and that's why they have to go to a boil order. Yeah, that's the only other way to to make for sure that your water is purified to drink. Um, if they think that the city water's been contaminated, mm-hmm. yeah, to and boil it, burn it, get it boil hot. Boil it. Yep. And then obviously the the comfort level too. I mean that's that's what keeps us warm in our homes and. Uh, and then who doesn't love sitting by a, a bonfire with friends around making s'mores and roasting hot dogs? Who I mean, everybody loves that. Yes. So there's there's that aspect, the recreational comfort aspect as well. But also a really important thing that as we started teaching this more and more has kind of come to, to light for me, but that's the, the safety and the respect of fire aspect that these students get from it because if you haven't physically handled or been around fire, most people know, well, it could burn me, it could hurt me, but people don't really understand, no, this little flame right here could turn into something huge. This little flame right here, if not handled, probably could actually kill you. You're wearing cotton clothing today. You may have hairspray on that people don't understand how powerful it truly is, even from its small little state of a one-inch flame. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and the conditions when they're just right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we're talking about getting into the wildfire side, which we'll leave at that. But the wildfire side, the impacts it has on people yeah. at, at that huge level too. Well, even the awareness on this on that safety piece that can come in of if you just have a little 
cotton ball on fire, a little twiggy fire in front of you, if you're on the downwind of that and you get a wind gust, that's going to end up on your lap and that's Mm going to really hurt. It's going to ruin your clothes. Um, It can turn out really bad. So just creating that awareness piece of, hey, look where you're at or, hey, make sure your friend is helping you with this or the wind is not even letting you light a fire, how much that affects it. Just learning how those environmental conditions affect fire is is a huge piece too. And then, of course, the safety of, you know, if you're around a fire, make sure, if you're a girl, make sure your hair's tied up. If you're a boy with long hair, make sure your hair is back. If you have loose clothing, make sure it's pulled back. Don't put your face over the fire. All these little things that if you're not actually doing it and experiencing it, you don't really know. You don't really learn, and it's really reinforced from doing it. You could say, well, it's common common sense not to put your face over a fire when you're lighting or it's lit. You may say that, but so many people, adults included, when they go to light this fire, are hanging over the top of this thing because they're so focused on trying to get it lit that you kind of lose that. Um, you're not really in touch with what fire can do. So that's kind of a, a reminder we use for everybody as we go through all these little, tiny, simple safety things that seem like common sense but are so easy to forget when you actually are working with fire. Yeah, and teaching the the safety leads to the responsibility. And so you and I hit the responsibility um, because if if they are going to learn how to make it, then they need to learn how to be responsible of it, even as they get older. And, you know, because we teach it to kids, the other thing we always teach and always talk about every single time is before you ever start a fire, before you ever think you need to, who do you need to ask first? And that's where that responsibility comes in of, of getting permission before you do it. You know, uh, can a kid go out and do it? Yeah, they can. Um, but the skills that we teach we take it just a little step further. It isn't like just grabbing a lighter and lighting a feed bag on fire. Right. You know, we're going to teach the basics and some of the items that we bring. They're not just items that you're going to find laying around the house. So it, so it, it does protect um, the kids and us in regards to that the responsibility after we leave. Um, but if they, if the parents are motivated to go out and, and get some of these things for their kids to continue that process of skill of, of learning how to make a fire, then they could go purchase those things and, and keep practicing. So um, responsibility, safety, that's so important to you and I, and it's it's what we teach and preach every program. Absolutely. You know, we mentioned that we're, we're teaching this to kids, but through a lot of our trips and programs and, and things not associated with, with work and meant to be outdoors, I have come to realize... And this is, this is, I don't want to, it's not sad, but it was a surprising realization to me. There are a lot of adults that cannot start and sustain a fire. Mm-hmm. And and it really is a lack of understanding of what it takes to make a fire and what it takes to, to keep that fire going. So many people um, will use lighter fluid, something like that. And, you know, if you're using what, what would be called an accelerant, extender something like that to get a fire lit really easy really fast and to keep it going um, that's great if you have that but you're not always going to have that actually more times than not you're, you're not going to have that so what is the true process of lighting a fire without lighter fluid without some kind of fuel uh, accelerant and what people often do is they smother it they put it out they, they, they'll be able to light it because people can use a lighter and light a piece of paper most people have that understanding but then they throw a, a log on it. Yeah, and Brian and I, we're not against people using lighters and lighter fluid. That's, you know, some people are like, well, why not? Why don't you guys just use that stuff? You can. If that's what you're using at home to start a fire, great. But 
the moment that you don't have those items, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Because there are, there are other ways to do it, and they're really not that difficult. And, so, and you're skipping steps, so you're not really truly gaining the understanding of what fire is. So if that's the way you want to keep doing it, great. We would just ask that you you understand. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are going to get an understanding of, of what makes a fire and how to keep a fire going. And, and what I'm talking about, what people are missing is what we call the fire triangle. Mm-hmm. And it, there's three things required to have fire. And if you lack any of them, you will not have a fire. You cannot have you a fire. You cannot. It mm-hmm. is impossible if you lack any of them. And those are oxygen, fuel, and heat. You have mm-hmm. to have a source of all of those. Oxygen is the easiest one. It is. Because it's, it's all around. O2, two oxygen, oxygen molecules bonded together. Um, it's all around, it's in our air, so it, it's always there. But what do we do? What do you do when you get a fire and you do put too much on it and start smothering out? We blow, blow on it. Every, that's my kid's favorite part we like. Can, mm-hmm. can we blow on it? Yeah, absolutely. And it is cool to blow on it and really see that thing roar. Or there's, I don't even know what they're called, but there's all kinds of devices, even for fireplaces and uh, barbecue pits that you can pump air into them and you're adding oxygen. That's what you're doing to really feed this fire. Um, the other would be fuel which is going to be your wood sources, but there's also three different types of fuel as well that we'll cover. Um, and then heat, you have you have to have a heat source. And once all three of those are present in the right form, you can get a fire started. Now, keeping it going is the other key, and that's where you really get into your three types of fuel. So you have tinder, you have kindling, and you have fuel wood. You care to explain each of those? Yeah, you bet. So again, fire triangle, you have three things. Brian definitely covered oxygen. I do want to add with oxygen, it is found everywhere. But the question comes, well, when you blow on it, are you blowing oxygen on it, right? Because when we exhale, it's carbon dioxide. That so is it's, a question that comes up a lot. We get that a lot. Uh-huh. So we do answer that by letting everyone know that when you exhale, you're also exhaling oxygen too, plus you're moving around the oxygen that is within our atmosphere where we're living. So there, there's O2. Um, in regards to fuel... There are three types, and the smallest, the one you always want to start with, is what's called Tinder, T-I-N-D-E-R. Now, we always get looks because of the, I guess there's an app out now, it's some dating app called Tinder <laughs> we have to always deal with, but Tinder, it's it's light, fluffy stuff, yeah. and you know something that you can find in your house right now that is an awesome form of Tinder is your dryer lint. So to give you an example of what we're re- referring to as Tinder is that light, fluffy stuff, we can move into cotton balls. Um, when you get into the primitive side of survival, an example out in the wilderness would be taking cedar bark, stripping off the bark, and then mashing it and rolling it in your hand until it becomes fluffy, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to look like a cotton yeah, ball. fibrous, things that are Very really fibrous. fibrous. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you can even get into, there are types of grasses that you can roll up and make into tender bundles, but it has to be something that's going to catch heat. Mm-hmm. something that's going to be able to catch heat. And it also has to be like that fibrous enough to where your oxygen is within it, right? So that the oxygen's in it. Whereas a lot of people think a leaf is great tender and it's the worst thing to use period because it's flat and that oxygen can't get in it. And well, I mean, think about this when you're burning the leaves, what does it do? Smoke. It smokes yeah. so bad. I mean, you get tons of smoke. Matter of fact, people use leaf blowers as they're burning their leaves and they'll actually get their their yeah. leaf pile caught on even better because you're really pushing a lot yeah. of oxygen. Without it, it smokes and doesn't burn well. So yeah, the molecules in parts of the leaf are are bound so tightly together mm-hmm. that 
air can't really get to the things that need to burn. Right. Yeah. And moving on, once you are able to get your tinder bundle, you know, caught with heat. So let's use for this example, we're going to say a spark. You know, mm-hmm. you get a spark to land in your tinder bundle. Then from there, you you want to keep that fire going, so you're going to move into what's called kindling. Now, kindling can be different sizes, and what we teach is you're going to start with basically the size of pencil lead up to a pencil. Yeah. You know, sometimes I say pinky so they can see my pinky about. But you don't want any bigger than that for a couple of reasons. One is the heat that's coming from the now-caught tinder bundle has got to be hot enough to start heating up those those right. little mini sticks, right? Those and your tinder things. usually burns really fast. It does. So you want it to catch your kindling fast. So obviously the smaller the kindling you have, the better. So even a progression of size in your kindling from mm-hmm. that pencil lead size up to your pinky would be great. You don't want all of your kindling to be pinky size because your tinder is going to burn up before it can catch those. Because what you're actually creating is a coal base. Right. You, you want your... You've got to create this coal base down at the bottom so that you can continue to add and add more fuel, which is our third part, which we call fuel wood. And that's going to be anything basically from, you know, your number two pencil all the way up to, we say about your arm. Yeah. But when you're talking the white man fire bonfire and you're throwing on the all nighter pallets, the all nighter fires, you know, you're getting massive logs, yeah. whatever people are grabbing. So. But that's going to be what we're, you know, you're sustaining that fire. So when you and I are teaching this, we really only focus on tinder and kindling. Yeah. Because we're not there to to have a sustained fire. Uh-huh. We're there just to teach them the steps to get up to that, that sustaining And process. something we really try to ingrain when you're finding these natural materials of all these different fuel sizes is to make sure that you're getting things that are brown, that are dead and dry, that are not green. Because if it's green, it holds moisture. And that is an enemy when it comes to fire. You don't want moisture. You know, um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that that needs to be taught. Like I, It does. But we, we have to teach it a lot because... Uh-huh. We have we'll we'll go out and do a tinder collection before we start a fire. We'll go out and let kids and, and adults look around and say, "What can we use yeah. for kindling and tinder?" You know, and we'll we'll let them explore, grab whatever they think, and then we go back and let them try it. But every time we've ever taught this, you're always going to find people that have grabbed green stuff. Yeah, and in the beginning of teaching all this, I it was never even something that that occurred to me that. I was going to have to teach that if it's green, it's it's going to have water in it, you know? So um, for those listening and didn't know that, it has to be dry. Yeah. And if it's brown, it's usually going to be dry. Yeah. And especially if you're going to burn in your fireplace, you want things that are called seasoned or brown, dead, dry. All those mm-hmm. mean the same thing. If you are burning things that are green or have moisture content in them in your fireplace, your creosote levels will build up really bad in your fireplace and your chimney, and that's where you get your flu fires. Yeah. That's where it's really dangerous. You can burn your house down by burning green stuff in your house, so don't do that. Um, if it's cracking, uh, or not cracking, if it's if it's sizzling, uh, sizzling yeah. like it's got water in it, you can actually see water coming out of the end and smoking a whole lot and not really going up to a flame. Probably a good idea to pull that off there. It's probably not seasoned enough to really be inside your fireplace. But you could leave it next to that fire, mm-hmm. and it'll eventually dry it out. It will. Right. But then you probably, yeah, people listening, they're like, whoa, 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 guys. I've burnt green stuff before. Yeah. So if it's coniferous, okay, like um, a pine tree, a cedar, and it's still green, and you throw that on, a lot of times if you're throwing it on on a hot enough fire, it will dry it out fast enough. Yeah. And because of the oils in it, I'll call it the oils, the resins. The oils and because of how small the needles are. Yeah, yeah. You're dr- it's drying it out and it's still catching. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Again, there is an exception to every rule, but just remember, if it's green, you don't want to yeah. add it to your fire. Got a funny story to go along with this one. Let's hear it. So several weeks ago, my four-year-old son and I, we did a, a backyard camp out. He's dying to set the camp up in the backyard, so we set it down by our fire ring, and we did the hot dogs and the s'mores, and he loves to help me build a fire and learn about it. So I took that opportunity to teach him about the the green and the brown. Um, really picked up and learned on it, and he loved going and finding, was this brown enough? This, Yeah, that is great. Fast forward a couple weeks later, which was just a few nights ago, we're lighting, it was cold enough, it was like 18 degrees here. We were actually lighting a fire in our fireplace in the house. And to get it started, we were kind of in a hurry. I jumped out to the trash and I grabbed a piece of a Coke box, a cardboard Coke box. <laughs> and I rolled it up and I put it in there and I got my kindling set to the side. And, and the Coke box would be my, my tender in this instance. Mm-hmm. And I got my lighter and I lit the Coke box and I heard my son go, huh. I said, well, what? What is it? He said, well, you said that only brown stuff burns and that box is red. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know what? You're right. However, the box is is really brown. And it. uh, see if you look on the inside here, that's what I showed him. Good good recovery. There is some some red (laughs) ink or paint on the the outside. But he got me on that one. He did. He got me. He got you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, you did a really good job explaining those those types of fuel. Uh, why don't you get into the heat sources? Because people are going to, I mean, the easiest thing is to think of a lighter, obviously. Right, right. Um, but there are different types of heat sources. What are yeah. those? Well, a lighter is actually, you, you have the triangle complete in a lighter. The fire so, triangle. The fire triangle. Yeah. So that's why a lighter works. It's why, it's, it's why we use it today. I mean, going all the way back from a primitive bow drill fire up to a, a lighter is incredible, right? Like that's why we use lighters. They're great. Um, but, uh, the heat sources, let's, let's describe it real quick within the lighter just to help people understand that you have oxygen everywhere. And if you look at the lighter, there's actually going to be some grooves in the, the metal covering on the top. Mm-hmm. That's going to allow oxygen to be right there at the top where your fuel if you have fuel in your lighter, right? So you butane, have fuel, usually, butane. Yeah. Once you hit the button, it starts releasing the fuel, and then your oxygen can get in there with it. And then as soon as you make your spark, that's your heat source, your spark that's coming out is the heat source, and all three of those in the triangle is right there together, and then you have a flame. And you'll see that when you're out of fuel, and you're, you can still spark it. Well, that spark is the heat source. We've talked before in, our, in past podcasts that that little itty-bitty tiny thing in there is called a ferro rod and that is what you are sparking and so all three come together but some examples of heat that we teach we do teach solar so an example would be magnifying glass a lot of people have burnt ants and leaves right doing that but that's your heat source that you're using to then mm-hmm. i guess an ant would be fuel yeah. right on, on a sunny day kids are able to we are able to help them light a fire with a magnifying glass yeah to start yeah. one for sure so that's your solar's one. Um, we have another which we call impact, which that's when you and I, it's it's going to be anything that creates a spark. Mm-hmm. So we put that, the ferro rods that we're talking about today, that would go under our impact. But yeah. that could be flint and steel. True flint and steel. You know, sometimes... Uh, if you don't know what that is, you need to go back to our flint and steel uh, Myth Monday episode that we did. Yes, that's a good one. Um, you know, sometimes uh, wildfires have started by vehicles driving along the road from 
brakes to chains, you know, bouncing mm-hmm. and, and sparking, but that's going to be that impact. And then you have anything that's friction. So when you and I teach bow drills, if you're learning how to do hand drills, um, you know, it'd be like taking your hands and rubbing them together and they start getting warm. It's that mm-hmm. friction and um, you can actually get a fire going through friction. Um, we, something we don't teach, but it is another method is chemicals. Mm-hmm. So there are chemicals you can get on Amazon right now and buy chemicals that when you mix together, yeah, you'll mix them together on top of a tissue yep. and they, they will they will ignite on their own. Yep. And so um, those are your different sources of heat. Um, so be thinking about like, you know, as you're looking at your triangle, do I have all, do I have heat? Do I have fuel? And do I have oxygen? Right. And most of the time we're going to be teaching impact when we have some adult, our primitive classes, we'll be teaching uh, friction. the friction fire, right. that side of it as right. well. So the core four, uh, we've talked about that in some of our survival episodes. This is food, fire, shelter, and water. And fire is kind of that tricky one of the core four because we do the rules of of three, right? Mm -hmm. You know, three hours without shelter and inclement weather, three days without water, and three weeks without food. And then we say, well, going by the rules of three, how long without fire? And everybody kind of will start throwing out guesses and there's all this. But the trick is that it really helps with all of your other three. It Mm -hmm. helps with your shelter, your food, and your water. So it is so important to have. It's going to make you comfortable in your shelter. Can help you make tools. It's going to help you boil your water, and obviously, it can help you cook your food as mm-hmm. well and keep you safe because you're uh, uh, purif- not purifying, but sanitizing your your food before you eat it. Right. Yeah. Yep. So fire is essential in a survival situation because it helps. It is not only part of your core four, but it helps with all the other three of your core four. So what we really should probably get into is how do we teach it? We roll up to, um, we'll say a homeschool program. We actually are teaching some fire programs this week. So let's take everybody through that process, what it looks for Ben and Brian meant to be outdoors to roll in and teach a group of people all about fire. Well, you have your pre-work, we have our equipment, you know, we're going to be prepping all equipment. So you want to ensure that, um, well, safety first and foremost. And so um, we take containers that we can actually uh, teach people how to start fires in, yeah. you know, some kind of metal, aluminum, something that they can start fires in. We don't just go out and teach them to do it on the bare ground. Yeah, and, and it's not it's not necessarily Im- super important for them to build a big sustainable fire. So, so often when we tell people about this program or when people don't even really ask about it, but they know they want it taught, they're start asking about fire pits and where we're going to teach it and what we're going to do on the ground. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't, we don't need all that. We could do this. Technically, we could do this inside. Inside, yeah. yeah. Actually, you and I have. Yes. Uh, we have taught programs yes. indoors, um, you know, in labs, um, even in gyms before. But mm-hmm. um, you know, we want to make for sure that this is safe because we're just we're teaching the basics, and you got to have the equipment to do that. And so, um, we are going to ensure that we have oxygen, fuel, and heat. Yeah, we got to have those 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 types of equipment to teach them. And, and that's where it kind of gets into uh, what we do, what other people do. It doesn't really matter. As long as you have those three items, you can teach the basics. And so you and I use cotton balls a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, we, co- throw, we throw them into our aluminum baking pans. Yep. And, and that's what these, well, not just kids, but adults. It's, it's really their goal is can they get this lit? Yep. And, and we use what's called ferro rods, ferrocerium rods, and... The reason we use those is because this isn't just something laying around most houses. Right. Um, there's also a skill that's going to 
you're gonna you're gonna need to learn how to use this. You have to use it correctly. There has to be the right form and technique to get it to work. And also, <clears throat> young kids, really, it starts about we say third grade, eight. Some of them will be able to do this. A lot of them won't. The strength and dexterity to be able to use these tools comes kind of later on. We have to help a lot of them. So when you're getting down to those real young kids, five, six, seven years old, that shouldn't be making a fire on their own, they're not going to be able to do it with this tool. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we could teach with a lighter. We could teach with a match. Um, there are activities and, and different things you can use those for, and you should. But we love to come in to teach the ferro rod because ferro rods are already in lighters. So they're there if anybody needed them. And then also... If the fuel was to run out of a lighter, you can still use that lighter to get a fire going. Yeah. If you have heat yeah. and oxygen. With right? the concepts that we teach, you can the use a fuelless lighter to light a fire. And so we bring in, you know, depending on the group, depending on how quickly they get that, um, we're able to move on into different types of tinder because mm-hmm. that's our first source of fuel. So um, if we have time, we're going to go out and actually do a little hike and find your natural fiber you know your natural tenders that you're going to find out in the wilderness we love to do that hike because it starts opening up the eyes to now i'm now i'm starting to pay attention yeah. to what is around me that is usable yeah what do I they mean use. by green what do they mean by brown yeah yeah and and when i say that they grab green sometimes that's okay because that's that's how they're going to learn mm-hmm. that it doesn't work right you know even thistle and thistle seed whew, that stuff is awesome yeah. for tender B- but not all year round. Mm-hmm. It's after it starts drying out. And so looking around you, finding those things, um, you can even get into the modern side. And, and we do teach on the modern survival side, um, you know, Crayola crowns to um, Frito chips to even like your your older, you know, your teens up to adults, teaching them to how you can take a pocket knife and actually bring it back and forth on your, your jeans and create your own little tinder mm-hmm. bundle, which is you're creating a cotton ball because you're literally destroying your pants to create this cotton ball, yeah. but that's what's happening. And and so, you know, we're going to come in, we're going to ensure that we have all the equipment, and then we're going to begin to teach, again, oxygen, fuel, and heat, and we do have to have the equipment to, to match those. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we, we usually at least pair people up so somebody can hold their pan from a safety aspect. And depending on age and where we're at, but... It is awesome to do this in, in a team, a pair, mm-hmm. um, because one will hold the tray. Is that required? No, but what's awesome about it is that the person that's holding the tray actually is the one that begins to, to really see what's yeah. working or not. <laughs> and so often they be, they begin to coach and encourage. They do. They, do. they really yeah. do. Like People start cheering for each hun- other. You're almost there. Keep going. Yeah. And, and so... Um, and you almost always really have to work through... Um, frustration. I've seen tears more than once mm-hmm. in this because they, they want this fire to light so bad. It's just a cotton ball and some sparks. Why can't I get it to go? But even teaching, you know, if you just throw a cotton ball in there as you pull it out of the bag, it's pretty tough to light. It can be, yeah. But yeah. as you take it and you fluff it and you make it this really fluffy thing, you're adding oxygen. So reinforcing that concept to them, look, you need to fluff it up some more. And then as soon as they do and they throw those sparks in there, it lights they're now understanding the the value of really fibrous tinder and oxygen being present. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Even even if all those things are present, but not really necessarily in the right way, it's it's tough to get it going. Right, it is. And then you have your elements as well. You talked about. I mean, too much oxygen can put it out too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have too much coming over the top of that, 
cools it down too fast, rapid cooling. But, you know, then from there, as, as they learn that basic, the basic triangle and they learn the very first skill of heat, tender, and oxygen, then we kind of throw in, it really depends on the individual and maybe the, the pair, you know, as they get that really quick and they're like, well, that was easy. Mm-hmm. Now you and I, we, we start adding some more things to them. And, and that's what makes this, these types of programs so fun because they are, you know, we use groups. We use the entire group to help the individual. However, as we see the individuals that are getting it and clicking it, you and I are able to, to adapt yeah. and be like... We can meet them where they're at. Yeah, we're literally meeting where they're at and be like, all right, if you've got this, then then here's yeah. your next challenge. And sometimes that's that's just taking natural fibers and say, this is all you have. You have your ferro rod. You have your natural fiber here, which um, is our form of tinder, and oxygen's everywhere. Get it going. Yeah. Right? And that's a little more difficult, so it takes more practice to get it. Yeah, and, and, and a, a fun one that we like to do with them is after they've lit their first cotton ball. We like to have uh, groups have a take home. If we have that opportunity for them to take something with them, we do. So we, we help them. I think we've talked about pet balls before mm-hmm. on the podcast, but basically you take cotton balls and petroleum jelly in a baggie and the petroleum jelly acts as an extender. So once that cotton ball is lit, it will burn longer. So a lot of times we'll have them light. Their challenge is to light one without, to time how long it goes, and then make their pet ball put one of their pet balls into the tray, light it, and see how much longer it goes than the one without. And usually it's about three times as long. And yeah. so they're usually pretty impressed by that, and they get to take a, a baggie of, of pet balls with them. And when we do that activity, it allows us to share the difference between an extender versus an accelerant. Mm-hmm. And um, every program we teach never use gasoline ever, 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 ever. There's be- never a time to use gasoline. There's never a fire. time to use gasoline mm-hmm. to start a fire. Um it's so dangerous. There's so many people that get sent to the ER or worse have died. And so there's no point in using an accelerant. You can literally use extenders. And, right. and we've talked about that. But an extender is, is going to help that tender burn longer to create a better coal base as you're adding on your kindling and then eventually into your fuel wood. Right. Your kindling has a better chance if your cotton ball is burning for three minutes versus versus it, one. Versus one. You yep. have a chance to get that coal base really going right. for sure. Yep. Um, and once once they've all a- achieved that and got to, to play with the ferro rods and, and really understood the concept of how to use the ferro rod, why the fire is even lighting... They get to try things like magnifying glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we, we pull out some aluminum gum wrappers and let them sh- start a fire with a battery. There's a little trick for that. Um, we have a video up, I believe, on our TikTok and Instagram of how that works. But then a lot of times we make a big circle at the end before our debrief, and we bust out the steel wool and 9-volt batteries, and everybody gets a little pe- piece of steel wool. Uh, we put a fire pit in the middle and we pass the battery along everybody. When you put the nine volt battery to the steel wool, it shorts it out and it sparks. It doesn't flame up, but it sparks and all that steel wool will burn and they get to kind of throw it in the fire pit. So that's a cool way to end with a little fun thing. But but then we debrief and, and what are some questions that we use to really reinforce um, what they've learned about fire after a fire session? You know, questions usually come during the activity. So the questions, the type of questions I ask usually relate to how the group was responding. So the things that, that went well and the things that didn't. So, you know, a question that I might ask, you know, would be um, share with the group one thing that, that worked that you didn't know was going to, right? And and kind of how they answer that question, it definitely 
leads the rest of the group to to ask similar questions or or answer it similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's what didn't work today, you know, and then you can kind of discuss and figure out well why didn't it. You and I, when we're facilitating, we can't be at every every spot with every child every time. So right. this also allows us to, as they answer these questions, it helps us to educate them on, well, did you have green in your box? Well, yeah, I was using a green leaf. Well, first off, don't use green. And second, leaves don't work well. We right. can process through why or why not. Um, you know, usually ask what is one thing that you learned that you didn't know before coming, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's an awesome opportunity to, to really meet and understand and learn to help you and I to continue these programs yeah. of what can we keep, you know, adjusting and, and teaching to help kids. Um, and so, man, the whole debriefing process is awesome. Yeah. Um, and now that you've listened to this podcast, you can ask yourself, what, what did you learn in the last 30 minutes that you didn't know before you listened about fire and you've probably been around fire and known something about fire your whole life, but hopefully you learned something here. You know, there are several instances in the last several years that kind of gave me um, this awakening that, that more people needed to have an understanding of fire. Um, not, not, not just that fire is hot and it burns, but truly what makes a fire work and make it successful. You know, several years ago, it was actually a, a bachelor party camping trip uh, for my brother-in-law and I had brought the firewood, and him and his friends were there. You know, their college days are just past college days in their 20s. And at night, I had uh, I, I was actually lighting a fire for people to sit around, and I had caught a, a several. It was really easy that night. I had caught with my flashlight. I went out and just shined a bunch of crawdads, and I had a bucket full, and I was going to boil them over, over the fire. And... I got the fire going good and hot, and these guys, they didn't really say anything. They just they just kind of watched me, and then it was like, well, where's the, you didn't do that with lighter fluid. How'd you, how'd you do that, <laughs> you know? Or they'd bring me these big logs and say, here, do you want to put this on? I'm like, well, we can't put that on there yet. So these were guys in their 20s, and they didn't really understand that progression of tinder to kindling to fuel wood that you don't need an accelerant to do that. Now, I was using a lighter, um, and I think I used some paper to kindling, but just that progression of the size of the fuel that you put on there is so important so that you're not smothering it out. You have to build a coal base that's prepared to ignite the next fuel size before you go. Right, correct. And I think that's why when we're teaching kids, that's what I try to, to truly teach and leave behind with them, that even if we're not here, you have to remember that you need oxygen, fuel, Mm -hmm. and heat. And then process through when you're using those items, which is filling that need. Which which one is it? That's why I love taking a lighter and really breaking it down. You know, you said we finished with steel wool and a nine volt battery. As we're doing that, that's a question I ask: is which one's the heat and which mm-hmm. one's the fuel? Because you also just told us a story that you used a lighter and a piece of paper. Yeah. Right. So which played the role? And that's going to help you in in any environment. Like you may be in a in a wilderness environment where you got a lot of um, conifers you know you you might find a lot of pine cones you get in another type of environment and it may be prairies and grasses and so what around you is going to work well for your fuel and then what heat sources do you have maybe on you maybe that you've packed or are you going to have to move into the primitive side where you're making those types of of heat sources yeah absolutely you know we were on a you and i were guiding a trip and uh it it had gotten late and people were kind of eager for the fire to be started 
because they were wanting to make their desserts over the fire. And so I jumped in real quick. I pulled a cotton ball out of my backpack. I threw it in there and in my little guide pack that I keep in my chest, had my fair rug clipped on, and I real quick, one strike, lit that cotton ball, and then I threw a bunch of, they had already piled all kinds of, I took the smallest little teeny tiny pencil sized twigs that were laid there and I piled them on top of that. And within a couple minutes, they had built this huge, I mean, it you couldn't even get close to it, this massive fire. It was too hot to even cook over, but they were excited about it and mm -hmm. kept throwing stuff on. Mm -hmm. And one of the participants turned to me and said, oh, wow, nice fire. Did you put lighter fluid on that? <laughs> <laughs> and I literally went to the side and I said, can I show you how I lit that fire? And I pulled out one little cotton ball and a ferro rod and I lit it right there. And it was just like the concept and the progression once all the elements are there, it's like baking. Once all the elements are there and you go through the right process of forming the cookie and baking it, it all works. Right. But if you forget the baking powder in the cookie, then you just got a little flat piece of nothing there, right? Mm -hmm. it, everything is so important, but once it's all present, it, it, it works really well. Well, and that, you know, the name of this episode is is why we teach kids, mm -hmm. you know, how to teach kids. Um, the reason that we, we teach kids is because we want to set them up for when they're adults they can. Yes. You know, adults now probably don't have time to come out and learn how to make a fire. And they may even say, well, who even, I can use a lighter and get it going. That's great. That's really, really good. But what happens when if, you don't have it. if you don't have that lighter? Here's a story I have. Or so, you smash your lighter on the ground and it has no fuel in it. Yeah, it has no fuel yeah. anymore. You're going to have to go out and find fuel. Yeah. Um, I showed up to a, an outdoor birthday party. It was actually at a creek. Um, it's been a long time ago. And uh, I was one of the last ones to show up. I was running a little late. So I, for some reason, I just kind of show up late. You You've know? never been late in your life, ever. <laughs> Guys, this, this guy is going to be late to his funeral. People say that. Nobody's ever really figured that out. But this guy, he will. He'll be late to his funeral. Yeah, I mean, if I'm getting paid, I'll be there on time. But if, if I'm not getting paid, I'm probably going to be late. I'm just going to let you know. Money motivated. Uh, you know, but uh, showed up a little bit. Well, I showed up after everybody. I was right on time. Everybody was early. <laughs> and so... Uh, that was one of the first questions that I got when I got there was, hey, did you bring a lighter? Well, no, I, I don't. I never take a lighter anywhere. Um, the only lighters I think you and I carry, we, we put those in our first aid kits. And um, this wasn't a paid trip, so I actually didn't have that with me. So, But I always carry a ferro rod, right? Always. It's, it's something I always have. And so I said, well, no, no, I didn't. And they said, well, we forgot to bring one. Well, just to kind of carry by into this party, like everybody brought food to, you know, hot dogs, s'mores, you know, <laughs> they went to, to cook over a fire, but yeah. no one had brought a lighter. And first off, that's what kind of, kind of caught me off guard was kind of like, well, are they relying on me too? You know, or are they just waiting for me to show up, start this fire? So I pulled out the fire, the ferro rod and I said, this is how you use it. And I let them learn. They, they took the ferro rod, they tried and tried and tried, and a lot of them were using it correctly, but it's still difficult. You know, if, if I was to hand you one right now and say, go make a fire to survive, it can be hard. I mean, it does take practice. And uh, so I went and collected, it's kind of cheating a little bit, but I went and found some really good tinder in that area, and I added that tinder to it, and then they were able to light it right up and go, and they, they, that's how we started the fire to eat over. And... It kind of shocked me because it probably shocked them too. They were probably kind of yeah, blown away. I, mean, I yeah. think they enjoyed learning how you yeah. know to do that. 
But it shocked me because as adults, maybe it's because we, we take it for granted or we just think, you know what, we can just run up and get a lighter. But there are just so many adults that really don't know how to how to get a fire going. More and, times than not, I see people start with fuel wood. They put lighter fluid, sadly sometimes gas on it. Yeah. And they stand back and they th- they throw a match or, or a lighter with stick lighter or something at it. And then... Yeah, it, it, it's gonna burn, but you've you've skipped a bunch of the steps, and and you you are lacking the understanding of why that fire is going. Yeah, I mean let's let's break down a match really quick. A match has heat source, uh-huh. fuel source, and oxygen is everywhere. Yep. But the only issue with our matches, those quick matches we use, is they burn up really quickly, and so that's when you can get into the, what they call survival matches that have even a a bigger burn rate that wind can't blow it out. But the fuel source is still tiny. It's a little stick. And so it just doesn't burn for very long. Um, but that's that's what you're using there. And matches are great, but they, they can fail. You know, if they get wet, they can fail. Um, they burn out really quick. And so as an adult, people rely very heavily on lighters and matches. You need to learn how to start fires correctly with those, how to, how to use the actual going from tinder to kindling. But at the end of the day... If there's some other methods, please practice. Please learn how because you could be in a situation where you, you truly need a fire. Um, and it's just so, it's, let me say it this way. It builds so much confidence when you can go out and make a fire. Um, what are some other, what are some other feelings? What are some other, whenever well, you're able to successfully get a fire going, how do you feel, Brian? Well, and I'll, I'll speak specifically to the, to the Bodro fire. I mean, when you were rubbing essentially two sticks together, and, and you get a coal that you could throw some tinder on. And that's really, you're just making your heat. You're making your heat source to throw your tinder on. And I mean, the, how hard you have to work physically and how perfect all of your skills have to be, all your fundamentals have to be in your form, literally your, your the form of your body and the way you're holding your bo- body position to get this thing to go. Once it finally lights, Sometimes I jump up and cheer, and sometimes I roll over on my back and I go, "Oh, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I got it. It feels so good." Um, but when we teach this, um, you know, I'll think back to a junior high program we had this summer. Uh, this one particular student was literally almost in tears, but the partner was so positive. It was so awesome to watch, encouraging, and helping. And the partner had got it easily, but this this other one was frustrated. They were throwing down the ferro rod. They had tears coming down one side of their eye. Well, they worked together, and this person finally lit it. And they literally got up on their feet from their <laughs> knees and were jumping up and down, clapping. Right. And then everybody else started clapping for them. Yeah. So that gratification, that that self-efficacy, that almost like this self-worth of I'm capable and I can do this I came can. from lighting a fire with a spark. Right. Really cool to watch and really cool to see. I would encourage you to give it a try. Uh, watch some of our videos that we have up online of it. If you need to reach out to us, let us know. I hope that you listening to this, maybe you learned something about fire that you never knew. Maybe you know more about fire than you thought you ever wanted to know today. Uh, please follow us on all of our social media accounts, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever platform you're listening to this on. Please hit the automatic download button so you're getting every episode. We would also really appreciate if you left us a review. Let us know how we are doing. I think it helps us even on our ratings on those platforms, which helps more people find the podcast. We are always looking for for ways to grow in advance. 
you know, we haven't had any requests come in for topics in a while, so if you or someone you know has a topic you'd love us to touch on, send us a message on any of those social platforms or go to our website, send us a message through our email on there. We would really appreciate that as well. That is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We hope that between now and our next episode, you find time to go outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.